0: There was a lady who was between flights and she went to a little restaurant or a little store to buy a pack of cookies before she had to catch her next flight. So she bought her pack of cookies, went and sat down at a table with her newspaper, started reading the newspaper when a neatly dressed man sat right across from her and and she noticed as they sat down that he reached over and started, started uh, eating her cookies right there in the middle of the table. And it, it kind of frustrated her and said she looked at him kind of appalled. And so she decided she's going to let him know that she wasn't going to let him do that. She reached over and grabbed a cookie herself. And she started eating it. And she, she began to read the paper thinking that was the end of it. But she heard another rustling sound and looked over and the guy was getting another cookie. Now, at this point, she's, she's a little bit ticked off and miffed, and so she reached over and grabbed another cookie and just kind of glared at him and ate it, thinking that would intimidate him. And then as she looked at her paper up again, she heard him reaching over for the cookies. It was the last cookie in the pack. And so he grabbed it, he looked at her, he smiled, which really made her angry, and then he snapped it in half, gave her half of it, ate the other half, and walked off. Well, as she's sitting there brooding over this, she heard the airline call out her flight number, and so she got up getting ready to go over, and she looked into her purse, saw her tickets in there, and underneath her ticket, she saw her whole pack of cookies that were unwrapped. Now, the entire time, she was eating somebody else's cookies, getting mad for no reason. Now, I tell you that story because we are going through the, the book of Jonah, And I think what we do as we look at Jonah, especially today in our passage of Scripture, is we see that Jonah made some wrong assumptions about God. And in this chapter, we see that Jonah gets irritated and frustrated at God when he really didn't have any right of getting frustrated at God like that. Now, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jonah's, or see what Jonah's wrong thinking was all about in his life. And it's really easy to look at Jonah and say, I can't believe Jonah did that. I can't believe that Jonah would act this way. But what I want us to see is that a lot of us can identify with Jonah. And I want us to make sure that we're not traveling down the same road that Jonah was on whenever he had wrong assumptions, wrong thinking about God. Because whenever we have wrong thinking about God, it actually becomes an obstacle between us and God. And it really hinders us in our growth, in our growing relationship with Him. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Jonah chapter 4. And we're going to look in verse number 1. It's the last chapter in the book of Jonah. And again, if you if you're, haven't figured out where it is yet, it's page 783 in my Bible. And then you can go to the table of contents. But hopefully by the time we're done with this series, you're going to figure it all out. So Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. And as you might be looking there, I, do, I want to rehash what's been going on and give you guys an opportunity to show off just how well y'all have listened. All right, now here's the deal. We're going to rehash the story. Jonah was called by God to give a message of judgment to the city of Nineveh. All right, good job. All right, so he's supposed to go there and give the message of judgment to Nineveh. So when he gets the message, God tells him, their wickedness has risen up before me. And he says, I'm going to wipe them out in 40 days. And you're to go tell the people that. Now, whenever Jonah did this or heard this, he did not do what God told him to do. Instead, he ran. He ran and got on a boat that was bound for the city of Tarshish. And God basically followed him. And he sent a great storm after Jonah. And it got so rough that the sailors grabbed Jonah and they threw him overboard. And Jonah ended up where? Yeah, okay, The belly of a fish, right? So he ends up, and and some of y'all have been saying it's actually a whale. Actually, if you look in the Bible, it doesn't say whale, it says fish. So I just want to clarify that. But anyway, it's a big fish. Um, I, I don't know what kind of fish it was, but he ends up in the belly of a fish. Now, when that happens, it gets Jonah's attention, as I think it would get yours. And so he's in the middle of this fish, and he starts, he said, God, get me out of here. And God, if you'll get me out of this fish, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. And God got him out of the fish. And so Jonah goes, he preaches to Nineveh, the message of judgment, and something incredible happens. The people actually listen to the preacher. I mean, I'm, I'm, I read the story, and I get excited about this. The people are paying attention, and they, their lives change. And they, they begin to follow God. And it's a great revival that takes place. It's everything a Christian dreams about being a part of, And then we get to chapter 4, and we find out that through all this, Jonah has got a sorry spirit and attitude. He's ticked off at God, and he begins to think, I think God's been messing around with me this whole time. And so he's frustrated at God. Now, Now, why did he have this bad attitude? Well, it came about because of wrong thinking. Because of wrong thinking about God. And that wrong thinking became an obstacle between him and God so that he could grow in that relationship with God. Now, what does wrong thinking lead to? What kind of obstacles does it put up in our lives? Well, whenever we have wrong thinking about God, it leads, first of all, to a mistrust of God. We get to a point where we just we don't trust God anymore. Now, if you look in chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, "...but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry." He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Now, we see the spirit of Jonah in the very first verse. Well, what's God done? God has he saved an entire city. I mean, he's getting ready to obliterate a city. And then they hear the message of God, and they say, God, we're sorry. And God spares them. Now, that's a great story right there. But if you look in verse number 1, you see the reaction of Jonah. I mean, he's had a successful message right here. And it says that Jonah became... Uh, He was greatly displeased and became angry. Now, why was he angry? Because he wanted to see God wipe somebody out. Now, this is a a guy who is, we would say, this is a follower of God. I'm afraid a lot of people, when they think of followers of God, they think of Christians, they think they are people who can't wait for God to pull out the billy club and just start wiping people out. Now, this is who Jonah is right here. Jonah is a guy who wants to see him go down. Now, he has a reason. And the reason why is the Ninevites, we said this before a couple of weeks ago, is they were a, a horrible nation. They were brutal. I mean, they were not a, a very sympathetic conqueror. When they came through Israel, they absolutely wiped it out. They took the people captive. They put them in captivity. They were there for 70 years. Um, whenever Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came through town, he ended up destroying Solomon's temple. I mean, this is a big deal. And so all the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, hated the Ninevites. And so Jonah gets to preach this message of judgment. And they hear the message of judgment, and they say, we're, we're, Jonah's right. We, we've, got to, we've got to get right with God. And they repent. And God is gracious to them. And this just absolutely gets all over Jonah. He wants to see him get destroyed He's like, what in the world's going on here? And I believe what happened is that Jonah had a misconception of who God was. His thought was that if God loves the Ninevites, if he can love a people like that, then that means that, that he doesn't love us anymore. That he doesn't have as strong of a love as he used to for us. Because how could God love us? And love the Ninevites the same. I really think that he had this thought that God's love's like pie. And you know, if it's like pie and somebody gets a piece of pie, that means that there's less pie for you. Right? Have you all ever done? I know that I used to, whenever I was able to eat brownies and things like that, um, I know that whenever the kids would come in, I love my kids. It's amazing how selfish that we can be. And I would, you know, I would sit there, and my kids would start eating. And in my mind, I'm thinking, they better not get the corner pieces of the brownies. Because if they take one of them, it's one less for me. Now, that's how some people look at God's love. If God loves somebody else, and we think they're bad people, then that means that God can't love me as much. So there's a frustration there for Jonah. I think another part of the frustration, why he's displeased and angry, is because he gave a message and said, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. And 40 days passes, and guess what? Nothing happens. Now, for a prophet of God, this is a real problem. It's a problem because you know what the job description of a prophet is? He is to be 100% right 100% of the time. And if he's not, then he is considered a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18, verses 21 and 22 says, You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? And it says, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. So that's what's happened to Jonah here. His message isn't coming true. And if you look earlier in Deuteronomy 18, it says a false prophet is to be put to death. Now, can you understand why Jonah might be a little displeased and angry now? I mean, I I look at that and I think, yeah, it it looks like that God is kind of, God's like, so it's hosed him here. I mean, he's in trouble. What's going on there? But Jonah's vision was limited and his focus was just on himself. And because of that, everything around him was clouded as to what God was trying to do. You know, whenever we become so self-centered and so focused on ourselves, sometimes we can't see the big picture of God moving. Let me try to give an example. I, I heard a story about a grandfather that had some grandchildren that liked to pull tricks on him. And the granddad was taking a nap on the couch one Sunday afternoon, and he had a, had a big beard and mustache. And so the grandkids are a little bit older. They said, let's, let's, uh, let's just sort of mess with granddad a little bit. So they got some Limburger cheese which is, you know, that's a real stinky cheese. And so they got Limburger cheese, they went over, and they just sort of rubbed a little bit of it in his mustache. Now, as he's laying there after a while, he begins to stir a little bit because he's smelling something. And he wakes up, and he's like, golly, because this place stinks. And the grandkids are like, yeah, it does. It smells bad. Maybe you need to go to another room. And so the granddad gets up and he goes into the kitchen and he's smelling. He's like, "Yeah, it st- man, it still stinks in here. And he, and he goes outside and the grandkids are following him. He goes outside and he's smelling, trying to get some fresh air. He's like, oh my gosh, the whole world stinks. Now, now did the whole world stink? Well, no, it, the whole world didn't stink. But, but because of, of his limited viewpoint, because he had a little bit of that Limburger cheese in his mustache, guys, it, it messed up his perception of everything else around him. And for for Jonah, the Limburger cheese in his mustache was that God was gracious to a people he didn't think deserved it. And it affected everything else in his life. And he became bitter and he became angry. And his attitude towards God was wrong. Now, now God responded to Jonah's attitude in verse number four. He just asked him a question. He said, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry at me? Now, looking from Jonah's point of view, he'd say, yeah. Now, looking from God's point of view, no. God God is creator God. He made the Ninevites just like He made the Jewish people. He had the ability and the wisdom to do as He chose matter of fact, God had given a message of grace to the Israelites years before, and yet they were still living in rebellion. And yet the Ninevites, at least they had repented at this point. I mean, they were responding to the message. And whenever you read the New Testament, what you discover is that, you know, when God came here, God didn't come here just looking for all the good people. You know, God didn't just come here and say, all the people that are in the building on 574 Reimer Pond Road, those are the good people, and everybody else, I don't care anything about them. Jesus said that he came for all people. As a matter of fact, he said in Mark two seventeen, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jonah had a wrong perspective on God, not understanding that God came to redeem the broken. He came to redeem us. And we can only be fixed whenever we begin to recognize that our only hope is God. Now, Jonah had some wrong thinking about God and it led to a mistrust of God which became an obstacle for him and growing in his relationship with God. It can happen to us. But another uh, another piece of his wrong thinking about God that became an obstacle is secondly, it, it led to a wrong perspective on others. It messed up his view of other people as well. If you look in verse number 5, it says, Jonah went out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. Now, Jonah's message from God had brought deliverance to the people of Nineveh. It was a successful mission but Jonah's frustrated. He's mad about it. And so it's after he finds out God's going to spare him, he gets up. It says he goes up, sets up a shelter. and says a vine grows over his head, gives him shade, and he's east of the city. And I thought, well, why did he go there? You know, he goes out east of the city to overlook the city of Nineveh. Some scholars have said that he went there because he was hoping God would change his mind and that he would get a front row seat of watching God destroy the city. And I thought, man, what a horrible picture of a guy who is a follower of God. And I thought, man, I do not want us, I don't want our church to ever be like that. where we are looking for God to pour out his wrath on some people that we just don't like or agree with. And that's where Jonah was. Now, he might have thought, hey, maybe God's coming to my side, because it says a vine grew up over him, provided shade for him. He could have been thinking, hey, God's finally coming around. God's actually going to get rid of these Ninevites. And it doesn't take long to figure out that Jonah does not believe the Ninevites deserved the grace of God. Now, by its very definition, no one deserves the grace of God. Ephesians 2 eight tells us that it is a gift that comes from. From God. As a matter of fact, if we get what we deserve, do you know what we all deserve? According to the book of Ephesians, we all deserve to experience God's wrath. Now, I don't care how good of a person you are. I don't care how many right things that you've done in your life. When you step away from God's leadership and you mess up even just one time in your life, it disqualifies you from the blessings of God. In James 2.10 it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. The Bible clearly says that we have all sinned against God and done things that are displeasing to His will. So you know what the only hope we have in life is? It's grace. The only hope that we have to experience a touch from God is if God chooses to be gracious to us. Now, Jonah had wrong thinking about other people. He thought that only his people deserved God's grace. He thought only the Jewish people did. And that everybody else is like, hey, you guys don't deserve anything. We're special. If you look in the Bible, you just, you discover that the only reason why that God chose the Jewish people was because it wasn't because that they were greater than everybody else. It's because of God's grace. Because God chose to. Deuteronomy 7 says, The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples or the greatest. It says, You're actually the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to your forefathers that He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God moved with the Jewish people because of His grace. And Jonah's duty and our duty is to share with other people the grace of God that we've received that they also get to receive. Because it's our job to share with people that God loves them. And you don't even have to like them. It is God's will for people to experience the hope and the message of a transformed life i believe jonah was at a point where he did not believe that god's grace could change the Ninevites. they were so bad they were beyond god's reach but did you know that when god touches a life he will change it do you understand that it is impossible to come into the contact with the god who created this world and not be changed it is impossible That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Now, do you want to see the world get better? Do you desire to see our our schools change? Where people experience forgiveness and hope? Where people discover value and that their lives have value? Do you desire to see those things happen? Let me tell you something. It will only happen when people are given the transforming message, message of Jesus. And that message comes from us. That's why we have to be involved with people and serve people. So that people see Jesus through us. You, you know why we went to Haiti a few weeks ago? I prom- we did not go there. I promise you, we did not go there for vacation. Did we, Rand? Uh, We did not that's not why we went there we went there because we wanted to see God work through us so that we could demonstrate to people through our service and our speech that Jesus loves them and you know what I honestly believe because of people from our church going there that there will be lives that will be changed because they came into contact with the grace of God everybody needs to be touched by God's grace. And we are vessels to do that. And when God touches you, you become different. In the 1700s, there's a man named John Newton. He was a slave trader. Obviously not a great job. Very looked down upon because of his profession. But on one of his journeys, he began to read scripture. And as he was in the ship and as he was reading scripture, he was convicted and he began to realize that he had a need for God. And he called out for God's forgiveness. And his life was changed. He ended up, he left being a slave trader, quit. He became an Anglican minister. He wrote one of the most famous hymns in all of Christianity, Amazing Grace. If he wrote Amazing Grace, he became a leader in the abolitionist movement to see slavery be stopped in England. And in 1807, just before he died, he saw it happen. Now, that was a man on the surface. You look at his life, you'd say, that is a man who didn't deserve anything. It was a man who put people in slavery, a man who was full of debauchery in his life. And yet, when he was touched by God's grace, what happened? Because he changed a nation. He changed a nation. He inspired a movement, even in America. Whenever Jonah gave a message... Of God, it transformed a city. Nineveh. And I want you to know that whenever this church reaches out into our community and we love people and we serve people and we share good news with people of Jesus, it will change this town. Now Jonah had some wrong thinking about God. And because he did, it caused him to have a mistrust of God, a wrong perspective of others. And then the last thing I want you to see is his wrong thinking led to a wrong self-image, a wrong thought about himself. In verses 7 and 9, last verses I'm going to read, it says, But at dawn the next day God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? He said, I do. I'm angry enough to die. Now, this verse, I just think, Jonah's a dramatic guy here. Uh, Jonah is, uh, it's so interesting to me, he gets a vine growing over his head. And whenever a worm, God puts him in his place, a worm chews through it, and he has no shade anymore. Okay, Jonah, when this happens, and you have to remember, I mean, on, in his favor, it, it is in Iraq, which is probably about 130 degrees temperature, you know, it's hot. And the, the vine goes away, and he says, God, kill me, it's so hot. Uh, those of us in South Carolina, we, I think we understand this. This past summer, a lot of times, you know, we're just sitting there saying, God, just take me now. Uh, it's so warm. But in it, interesting, you've you got to see the contrast here. Jonah is ticked off because of a vine. Vine gets destroyed, and he's mad at God and says, kill me. Over 200,000 people are getting ready to get destroyed by God, and because they don't, Jonah gets mad. Now, does that make any sense to y'all? Jonah's perspective was absolutely screwed up whenever he looked at the vine and people. You know what? That happens to a lot of us sometimes. We become so caught up in our daily comforts that we get ticked off when the air conditioning goes out, when cable goes out, when the phone goes out, and there is a world that is dying and going to hell right now. And we don't think a thing about it. When we were in Haiti, I looked around and I thought of all the things that I gripe about. And we went there and I saw people who were destitute, who were hungry for just anything to give them hope. And I thought, man, how many times have I gotten frustrated at little pieces of garbage and junk in my life that I didn't have and yet I didn't care if people were starving to death without hearing a message of hope. You know, everything that I've got and everything that you've got, including the air you breathe, it comes as a gracious gift from God. We're told in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. You know, so many times I think that the world revolves around me And my desires and wants. And Jonah was at that place. And this may be a shocker to you. Did you know this world does not revolve around you? Did you know that? It revolves around my wife. No, it revolves around, this world revolves around God. We are not here for our own wants and desires. We are here to see the wants and the desires of Jesus Christ... Be fulfilled. Now Jonah said, God said, Jonah, do you have a right to complain? And once again, Jonah in his arrogance, just like me, you better believe it. And you know we, we don't have a we don't have a reason to complain and gripe at God. You know, did you know that you don't belong to if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You were owned by God. First Corinthians seven twenty three says, You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Jesus Christ died as a ransom on the cross that you might have freedom. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You're right that you don't have rights anymore. Now the good news, and that sounds scary, but the good news is that Jesus isn't here to destroy us. He's here to give us freedom. Let me close with just one, one brief story guy named Bruce Larson is a minister, and he also does a lot of counseling with people. talked about when he lived in New York City. He said there'd be people who'd come to talk to him and just really struggle about about surrendering their lives to Christ. They'd just say, I'm going I'm I'm to go all in with Jesus. They'd struggle with that. And he said, we'd get up. He said, I want you to go on a walk with me. So we'd walk down to Fifth Avenue, right by the RCA building. And if you've been there, you know, there's that huge statue of Atlas um, with the world on his shoulders. It's on, if you watch... if." not watch. Have you ever seen the commercial for 30 Rock? It's that statue. Okay, so he's got, uh, he's got this big uh, world on his back. It's Atlas, and all of his muscles are straining, and he's holding it up. And Larson would say, okay, so I want you to remember this picture. He said, this is one way that you can try to handle the world. He said, keep that in mind. So they'd walk a few blocks down. They'd go to St. Patrick's Cathedral. They'd walk in, and they'd open the door, and behind the altar, there's a statue of the little boy Jesus with a smile on his face, holding the world in his hand. And his conclusion was that you can try to take on the world and think it revolves around you and hang on to it all by yourself like Atlas and be crushed under the weight of it. Or you can give it up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do it. I give you my world. And he can literally hold the world in his hand effortlessly. Now, Jonah had some wrong thinking about God. And it became an obstacle and a hindrance in his relationship with God. It it caused him to mistrust God, to have a, have a misconception about other people, and to have a wrong self-image. Guys, if we're going to grow, if we're going to grow and be the people that God wants us to be, then there's some changes that have to occur. And one of the big changes is some of us need to make the decision, who's going to hold my world? Am I going to do it? Or is Jesus going to do it? And some of you today, you need to come very simply and just say, Jesus, today, I, I give you my world. I get it. I give up. I give you my world, and I ask you to hold it. Jesus, I know that I am sinful, and I call out for your forgiveness, and I call out for you to be my Savior. If you've never done that before, I I want to challenge you today where you're seated to just simply talk to God and pray to Him. And so let's do that. Let's just simply bow our heads and close our eyes. And some of you who've never done that, why don't you just simply pray and just pray that to the Lord. Jesus, I I give you myself today. Jesus, I give you my world. And I ask for your forgiveness. And your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you pray that prayer, I want you to take your bulletin and I want you to open it up and I want you to fill out that section on the right side. And check that line. It says, you commit your life to Christ. Then you tear that out and you put that in the offering basket so we can get you some information about growing in a walk with Christ. Now, there are others of you. And you say, you know, I, I, I am a follower of Christ. But over time, you've gotten your priorities out of whack. And what's happened is you've made yourself the center of your universe. The universe instead of God. And so you put yourself in the position of being God, where you think everything revolves around you. I say, it is not about you. And if you're a believer, it is time for you to come to God and to call out to Him and say, Jesus, I want you to move back to where you belong in my life, the center. And Jesus, I'm willing to let go and lay aside those things that I know that don't honor you. Lord, I desire to reach out and quit being judgmental of others who I don't think are as good as me and realize that none of us are good enough for you. But Lord, it is your grace. It is your grace that brings us to you. Jesus, help me to be a person who will pray for others, who will invite people into the church, who will share the good news of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jonah. I thank you that we we can see through his faults and failures the path that you desire us to be on. To be...